0: Hello, Anchor. <laughs> We're recording. I should say...
1: We are the home of professional well, podcasting. You
0: know, we haven't mentioned that. <laughs> Not, you don't see our normal background. Um, no, we
1: are live on location from Jerusalem today.
0: Our connection is great. It is really awesome. Considering the circumstances.
1: And really fit within the budget. Yes. All right, we are actually in the Group Jerusalem Marketplace uh, for our Vacation Bible School at Real Life Community Church. We uh, elected to use their alternate curriculum, the, the Holy Land Adventure line that they have, which is not their main Vacation Bible School oh, curriculum. Oh, they didn't know that. No, their, their, um, their main VBS, I don't know if it's officially called the Easy VBS or if that's the tagline that they use for it. I don't recall right offhand, but that's become the most popular Vacation Bible School out there. And so, so many people are doing it in the area.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, what my, is it my are wife,
1: saying? Shelly, who is the director, I knew, but I've forgotten. She's, she directs it for us. Uh, she said, you know what, we're going to do something a little bit different cause we don't want to just keep crossing over. So, um, we went to the, uh, Holy Land Adventure, which this year is uh, Jerusalem marketplace. First time we've done this. Uh, it's a little more, um, Labor labor intensive in in some ways, as far as the prep goes, like this is the first year that I've had 12 pages of instructions before getting to my daily instructions in my particular room. Um, It's a lot, it's a lot different. And so there's a lot more outside study that goes into it. Uh, The the physical prep, I, I don't know if it's a ton different. I don't know if YouTube can see it as well as uh, as, as you can on, on Facebook. If
0: You can look on our Facebook pages. It all looks Instagram. the same on Anchor,
1: though. That's it's true. Uh,
0: Anchor, sorry. However you're
1: listening to your podcast. This isn't a green looks screen. The same.
0: Um, but, yeah, if you check out our Facebook or Instagram pages, you can see more of what's been going on this week and more of the scenery and things like that. So yeah. be sure to check that out. So we thought it'd be fun to do a little on location today. Depends yeah, here.
1: it's been it's been kind of fun. I get to uh, play a rabbi in the synagogue school, and uh, it's it's been challenging not being a, a Jewish rabbi. So I've had to do some study as well what? to keep up with that. It <laughs> is true, uh, but the, the, the beard makes me, the beard makes me get to pretend to be wiser than I am. My sister gets to be the wise one. That was uh, her nickname in high school? It, it was not, but. <laughs> perhaps it should have been. Hey. She has determined that it is now how I shall refer to her. henceforth. Write it so, on her
0: Christmas gifts. All
1: of <laughs> her brothers to constantly refer to her as the wise one. So
0: makes sense. I get it.
1: Heidi, you are the wise one. Uh, she, That's
0: recorded on the Internet forever. So
1: she helps me out in there. And uh, I say helps me out. She really carries the load. She does most of it. I just have the beard. So, you know, I, and you
0: know, got a cool costume. We
1: Get to where the, all the kids have their yarmulkes. And we get to explain. The nice thing about it is we're not just doing things. Group does a, a really nice job. Uh, uh, one of the knocks on Group over the years, and uh, if you're from Group Publishing, uh, this is not—I'm not saying telling you anything you don't know. You've already had these criticisms come. But one of the knocks on Group is that sometimes people will say, "Well, it's kind of shallow. It doesn't mm-hmm. go deep enough." But that's a little bit by design. It's not that they don't. They give you the opportunity within the framework right. to go as deep as you want to go. But they've—they've uh, they've got this framework at a kids' level. And they do a nice job of integrating the ages into it, and it's designed uh, specifically. And this uh, pedagogically, I really appreciate this. It it, it it focuses on a single main point every day, so kids aren't you know just getting a whole bunch of random stuff thrown at them. Everything that's done, whether in their their main curriculum line or in the uh, Holy Land adventure, like the Jerusalem Marketplace, is designed to uh, to hammer home a single point so they have a memory verse and a bible point and it gets repeated all the time and everything is done to reinforce that and, and i think that's great because if you send you know 15 different ideas into the air maybe one of them is going to land so right. you want to you know if you have one and you know what you're aiming for and everybody involved is pointing in that direction then you're going to be able to communicate that much more clearly right. the other thing i really appreciate about it is is every year no matter what their their theme is uh, it is very Christocentric. It is, you know, I just saw some pictures of another uh, vacation Bible school uh, that that ran last week, and I'm looking at the pictures, and Christ wasn't mentioned once. Yeah. And, not, and I'm not saying he wasn't mentioned during the vacation Bible school, but on the, the posters and the the signs, the big promo materials, uh, they talked about God for sure. Uh, but a Muslim can talk about God, a Mormon can talk about God. To to to, to be as Christ centered and gospel centered as group's curriculum is. Uh, we are not sponsored by group, but I, right. uh, this is my plug for them. I think it is it is a good curriculum. Uh, when they first started doing Vacation Bible School nationally, um, I was in Christian retail and we started selling them. And they it did not take them long to really take the, the, the industry, I guess, uh, can curriculum be called an industry? Uh, to, but to take the market by storm and uh, Gospel Light had been a big one and they still... Uh, I think they're still doing it. Uh, some of the different denominational ones like Augsburg and Concordia, which were never quite as big uh, as, as Standard and Gospel Light uh, group, kind of took over a lot of that. And, mm-hmm. and folks, even in, um, in a lot of churches that have denominational publishing houses of their own, some of the individual churches will use group mm-hmm. as well. Um, it's it, it, the, What they do, they do very well. And it's never going to be perfectly suited for everybody. So, you know, if you're, you know, if you're a Lutheran church and you want to do a specifically Lutheran vacation Bible school, you're, you know, the, the stuff from Concordia or Augsburg is going to fit you better. Um, But it's really good. I understand. And I have not seen it yet that uh, Lifeway is also doing a VBS now. Uh, I don't know how long they've been doing it, but I just saw a thing for that recently. So I'll check them out. Uh, Lifeway. Um, produces the ESV translation and a, a bunch of other uh, um, Reformed and Baptistic materials. So if I'm, if anybody from Lifeway is listening and I've misrepresented you, please let and me. And you're
0: people from group. But and they Lifeway. are
1: uh, uh, they are a, a not-for-profit uh, publishing house, and so they're they're in there with the big boys, uh, but they're a not-for-profit group. And there are there are others out there. That's
0: a song from the Prince of Egypt, right? playing with the big one
1: that's right that's now, that will be in my head fabulous the soundtrack
0: the they did not need to go that hard with that soundtrack interestingly
1: anyway, interestingly as you're talking about sorry this,
0: we're not we haven't even gotten we're preaching through
1: the them. book of numbers
0: oh good Yay. and so as we're that was my segue. as we're
1: looking that was really well done you are a pro
0: i just really like that movie and the music
1: and you know it's been interesting in, the plague song <laughs> I, I should watch that again. I think I still have it on Fabulous. VHS. Oh, wait, I don't have a VHS player <laughs> right. and haven't for like 15 years. It's but, on, you know.
0: isn't it a Disney movie? I think it must. Uh,
1: I think it was DreamWorks from Oh, mistaken. was it? Yeah. I was gonna say
0: if it is, it's on Disney Plus, but
1: pretty sure it was, oh, I thought it was DreamWorks. Which where where are the DreamWorks things? Is that HBO Max, maybe? I'm not I'm sure. Anywho, as uh, as we're going through the the Jerusalem marketplace uh, VBS and down in the synagogue school. We get to talk about a lot of the things that we're actually talking about on Sunday mornings as we're working through the book of Numbers. And so the Prince of Egypt deals with the Exodus and, and Moses uh, from his, his birth and adoption by Pharaoh's daughter and being raised as the Prince of Egypt, as it were. Um, oh, that's <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and, and then uh, uh, leading God's people in the deliverance that God provides. They do a, actually a surprisingly good job of, of capturing it
0: was the great movie. movie.
1: I mean, there's there are a lot of Bible-based movies that really botch it. And I would expect that on most of these mainstream Hollywood produced, uh, especially animated features. They like to get the inspirational things and miss the actual biblical things. And they really didn't. They really did a pretty good job uh, as far as doing that. I've seen things put up by Christian companies that were not right. more faithful the, than what that was. And obviously the the voice cast and the production was quality it? It was, was Al top flight. Uh, okay. I think it was Jeff Goldblum was in it. Um, I can't remember I all. I just I just was. remember thinking, wow, huge names in yeah, here. Sure. It, it felt like a Cecil B. DeMille lineup. You know, is that kind of a thing? You look at like the Ten Commandments, which did some great things. You know, a classic movie that that I will never uh, put aside. But, you know, really missed on some things, really hit on some some things. But it had Yul but Brenner. But the cast was great, right. and there, there will never be another pharaoh but Yul Brenner. Right. Whatever else it is, when I read textbooks, it's Yul Brenner that I see. And that is how and it here. is. So let it be written, so let it be done. That is just reality. Anyhow. Between
0: that and the king and I, he's just very quotable.
1: He's, he's a winner. Anyway. Um, so as we are um, looking at the book of Numbers, we actually missed last week, so apologies to those of you who. I still who can't
0: breathe very well, which is wonderful We're waiting wonderful with bated
1: breath to be able to. I was waiting with bated breath this. too, and I never got it back. So. <laughs> Stacy's still waiting for.
0: i <laughs> waiting for my breath for to her return,
1: breath to return. T-
0: take my breath away, and I did not see Top Gun. <laughs> So
1: Well, I still know. haven't
0: seen it. I need to.
1: It, it's good. It's I know. Good. I've Very, good I have. I have one complaint, which well, I don't need to bring up on here
0: necessarily.
1: Uh, <laughs> We've brought Val, up everything Val, else. Val Kilmer's in that as well. I know.
0: So. Doesn't he say like whisper like one or two
1: he, words? He he does. I think they do a really good job in Top Gun Maverick of making, re basically remaking the '80s movie, but not making it feel like oh we're forcing this in as a money grab. It's actually it feels rather organic, even when they, uh when they. Uh, recreate the old uh Great you know, mtv <laughs> video montage stuff uh the the very 1986 vibe of it it still feels right it yeah. feels like it, it i've fits heard nothing it but flows. good things so. um recreating that scene with goose's son right what's his Miles name Tilly. yeah who <clears throat> i was not familiar with but now i'm seeing him everywhere um it it, it it felt right. It just, yeah. it, it worked. And I was expecting it not to, I was going to see it, but I was expecting it to just be like, yeah, kind of cringy. And it, it wasn't, I usually get kind of yanked when we're talking about, you know, taking old classics and trying to, right. you know, pretend like things haven't changed, but I had one, one gripe, I guess I, since we have gone there, I will go there. It, I found it to be off putting that they threw in a, uh an R rated expletive in the middle of one scene. It's the only, I mean, yeah. there's plenty of PG rated. Is it a PG 13 movie? Because I, I think so, you're allowed,
0: like, yeah, so many. It used
1: to be one, whatever. now it's yeah. two, three, you know, I don't know, whatever. I don't care about those standards from other people who don't know the Lord. But anyhow, before I sound Sorry. any more judgy than I already do, uh it, I just, it seemed like uh, I heard it in, in the middle of the scene. I'm like, really? That. Was that it necessary? In of it in. Well, it's because of your generation, honestly. Whoa! <laughs> no, but, but get back to the text. But, but truthfully, it's because they wanted to appeal to people of a particular age. Sure. And if you don't throw some of that in, then people get you know, oh, it's you know, it's a kids' movie or whatever, it, which is dumb because now you know I have a 15-year-old daughter who would that would ruin the entire movie for her. Right. You know, and and otherwise we could take her to see it, uh, and. You know, it's not like she's never heard it, but the moment she hears that she's her brain's going to turn out and say, nope, I'm done with this. Right. I, I don't I don't need this stuff, right. which I appreciate. I'm very happy for that. But uh, it just felt like, really? Yeah. I mean, yeah. and you know, the argument, the argument gets made a lot of times. Well, it wouldn't be realistic without that. You know, it's military and guys in their 20s in the military are going to be using like. Did that somehow make it now more realistic? Right. It was, so everything did, else in this movie is realistic. Were we going for realistic yeah. when we see Tom Cruise as a f- almost 60-year-old fighter pilot right. out here? Right. Uh, was any part of either of these movies realistic? And is using one F-bomb, the, Is that suddenly now make it exactly right. a uh, representation of how the military is? Having been there, I can say no. It, <laughs> it's not. But anyway, that's, that is not really what we are looking at. But we do need to recognize that, uh, that the Lord is involved in, in what's going on in the book of Numbers the same way he's involved in our lives today. He is not suddenly checked out. And so as we're looking at uh, things like our entertainment choices, the, the language we use, it, it, it is astonishing to me, and I'm not going to go into any more Hollywood stuff, but I've been ranting about a couple of Hollywood people here lately at home Sorry, YouTube, that I keep kicking the camera. Um, it's a fun new game. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So um, I am very, very troubled by the trend, particularly um, uh, two trends that coincide that trouble me. One is the chasing after celebrity Christians that that we just we're so enamored of celebrities that we feel like it somehow validates the faith if a famous person calls themselves a Christian, right? Thankfully, again, my 15 year old daughter, Emma, if you're watching and I know you're not. Hi. Um, the, my 15 year old daughter can recognize and tell her friends, look, just because somebody lists Christian on their Facebook bio or whatever it is, doesn't mean they're actually Jesus followers. That's a pretty significant thing. And there are a lot of people who say a lot of things until it costs something. And, so there are a lot of hollywood celebrities who are happy to talk about jesus and even be lightly persecuted until it costs them in their career and the few that are willing to say you know what the bible has standards and i'm not willing to do these things or to i'm not willing to fall in line with the woke agenda or whatever else because you're trying to say that sin is not sin and that you know virtuous vice invites vice is virtue and I can't do that because I follow Christ. Very few are willing to do that. The other trend that that troubles me, and you see this a lot in that celebrity set, but it, you and I see it every day, and I, I know you encounter it as well, um, is this tendency among Christians to think that... <laughs> And I think I've quoted this before. It was a T-shirt that I saw in store recently. Uh, I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. Mm-hmm. You know, this whole idea that it doesn't matter what comes out of my mouth—it's perfectly fine because Jesus died for all my sins. Therefore, I can say whatever I want to say, and that's fine. That is exactly the opposite. The opposite. There is absolutely zero excuse for pretending that a Christian can just have a potty mouth, and that's fine. It is not. It is the opposite of what Jesus said. It's the opposite of what Paul wrote. It's the opposite of what James says. James calls the tongue a fire. uh, It's set on fire by hell. Uh, Jesus said that out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks. That's an Old Testament principle that continues. I'm also seeing a lot of of, uh, religious Jews who are very comfortable using all kinds of language, as long as it's not this particular thing right. you know but that's that's really not consistent with a holy god and so if we if we serve a holy god but we have an unholy language then what we're saying is the well of our heart is filled with sewer water that we're spewing out while we're also using that same mouth to praise God right. James says that shouldn't be and so when we see those two things uh coincide i, I get very troubled and it causes me to rant uh, as I said there are a lot of Celebrity Christians just like the Christians at home in our local towns and communities and even in our churches who are perfectly happy to claim Christ and to talk about being persecuted because I have a fish bumper sticker or or whatever else and people, you know, I'm, I'm outside of the norm. But I will not stand up when the world's values are pressing in. So the moment it gets to be a little bit uncomfortable, then you know, we got to run away. And uh, that's pretty much what happens actually in the book of, uh, of numbers. I almost said Leviticus doesn't really happen the same way in Leviticus as it does in numbers. The book of numbers is a book that is highlighting God's faithfulness, despite his, un- his people's unfaithfulness. So as the people of Israel are being unfaithful to God, We're actually in content now. How about that? It only
0: took us 20 minutes. Um, Right.
1: Now that we're at the end of the podcast. Goodbye, everybody. Um, The the people of God are just about to enter into the promised land. Right. So we've spent 10 chapters setting this up. Chapter 10, they finally start to move. They get three days out. And the first thing we read in chapter 11, which is next week, uh, actually the following week, uh, the first thing we read in chapter 11 is... They're grumbling and complaining, right. oh Lord, it's so bad. And and God breaks out and fire against them and, and people die because of the sin. So no big one. <laughs> we're very much like that. Right. We love Jesus when we're doing vacation Bible school and we have, you know, we see all the kids and it's exciting, or we come to church and we sing, you know, inspirational songs. I'm telling you, if if all you get from church is a good feeling and inspiration, then you're not doing church right. That's not how this works. That's not what we see in the scriptures. The over and over, the scriptures are filled with rebuke in the New Testament. Most of the New Testament letters are significantly uh, rebuke centered. Uh, and and if we don't have that, if we don't have conviction, if we don't walk away from church, yes, sometimes feeling uplifted and comforted and and you know celebratory, but at other times, if we don't walk away feeling convicted. Uh, sorrowful, humbled, maybe even angry, you know, angry with the pastor, angry at the word that was spoken, so that it gives room for the Holy Spirit to work, then we're not actually following God. We're just following our feelings. And if we're following our feelings, then we are far afield from what Christianity is supposed to be. So anyway, as we look at, at uh, chapter 10, I'm going to try to lace these together in just a couple of minutes here as we do it. <laughs> Um,
0: you might have a little more time on anchor.
1: At the at the end of um, at the end of chapter nine, we see uh, we see God's people doing uh, some some crazy stuff, right? They're they're it's not really crazy the way it has been crazy in other chapters. Sure. But crazy in the fact that it seems, and this is going to happen again in, in just very short order, it seems like there's this. Part of the text that just kind of plopped there, mm. and we're going along. We got this narrative, and then and, and we can see how it all plays out. And then here's here's this. That was maybe not the best sound for talking about the scriptures. I apologize if that seemed disrespectful. I did not mean it to be so. But at the at the end of chapter nine, verses nine, uh, 15 to 23, we're going along in the preparations. We have Passover, and it all seems very spiritual. And then God commands them to make silver trumpets what, why, how does that fit in with the Passover and all these, uh, all these things? And so as God is, um, as God is giving them this, uh, I, actually it's the, that's the beginning of 10. So I'm, I'm blending them together, but I'm getting my text wrong as I say it. So it, it, the, at the end of nine, we have this uh, presentation of the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire, and this is how God is leading the people. And so they're moving at God's command. And and in that, the 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 overall picture and how that might translate into a, a more modern setter, setting is not that hard to, sure, to right, see, right. right? And we don't want to fall into the the uh, idea of kind of allegorizing everything, like this is just only here for our application. But we are told in the New Testament that everything that was written in the past, these actual biographical things, the the law and so on, these things that were in a particular context in a particular time, were also written for our instruction. Mm -hmm. So that it, it wasn't just for that, but it was first and foremost for that time and that place and that people. And then we take those principles and bring them forward because it was written for our instruction. So at the end of nine, we see the people responding to God and that he's faithful to lead his people, but we have to actually choose to follow him. So as, uh, as the cloud lifts, they set out. As the cloud settles, they camp. And over and over we have this repeated phrase at the Lord's command, at the Lord's command, at the Lord's command. The, the, that's the whole emphasis here. So the, if we're gonna follow the melodic line of the passage, Uh, The the notes that we need to hear are at the Lord's command, Mm -hmm. which interestingly is what we chose for a title because you can't get away from that theme. That's actually been sort of the picture of of the whole first portion of the book of Numbers. Everything that people are doing is God says it, they do it, praise the Lord. God says it, they do it, praise the Lord. This is a good thing. Great picture so far. Uh, And God is preparing them to march. Uh, He has them take the Passover. Now, uh, we get this picture they're not it, it's because this is arranged uh, it's grouped the, the the passages are grouped by idea more than a strict chronology uh it's telling us that they set out and they camp at the lord's command but they haven't actually set out yet that's going to happen after the the next passage but so they haven't actually left yet but this is the theme this is the 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 whole uh picture of what's going on is God is faithful. He is providing for them. He is preparing them. Now we see this picture that he's leading them, and they're responding. They're responding in faith and obedience. So then as God leads them, uh, right after that very obvious thing, we get these silver trumpets. What's that about? Well, God has them do these silver trumpets as the means by which he calls the people together. And so uh, we see that God summons his people to action through his appointed means. Why silver trumpets? Who knows? Because God said so. Right. You know that—that's the bottom line. Why not a ram's horn shofar like in other things? I don't know, but God said, "Have your metal workers hammer out this this single piece instrument. This you know, basically a long straight tube, not keyed trumpets like we know today." Um, long tube with a, with a bell at the end to, to have a sharp piercing sound that's used. Not uncommon in, in those days to use these things uh, to call people to, to order, to bring them out. And the, the purposes that God uh, assigns to this here are not entirely different, not, not significantly different from what you would see in the pagan nations around them in, in various ways. So it's used, uh, the, the trumpets are used to call God's people together in assembly. Uh, where they would receive instructions. They would hear from the Lord. So they're called together in that way. Uh, They would be uh, signaled by this to march. This is when we set out. So they can all see. It's an interesting thing. They can all see the cloud. They can all see the fire. And when it settles or it sets, you know, whether whether it settles or sets out, they get to see that. Mm -hmm. But God doesn't say you each follow as you see fit. Right. You are to do it at the call. So when this happens, then he says his priests and only the priests, only the, the Aaronic priesthood blows the trumpets, which ties that together with worship. There's a, a sacred worship element involved in this, even though most of what you're talking about is a practical everyday thing. Here's where we're going to assemble. Here's when we're going to move. And then later in the passage, he talks about them going to battle when, when you're in the promised land. So now they're, they haven't even set out yet when you're in there in your own land and you're oppressed by an enemy, you would sound this battle trumpet, the mm-hmm. silver trumpet, and it will be a memorial. Uh, the, the Lord will remember his covenant with you. And that doesn't imply that God forgets, but it's covenant language that that it, it draws them together. So as much as the Lord is remembering his covenant with Israel and blessing them, it's also Israel remembering God's covenant with them and trusting him. So they, in that, and that purpose of it, in blowing a horn prior to the battle as they're entering into battle, it's essentially uh, a prayer. It's calling upon the Lord, and he, and he says specifically, when you do this, I will remember you, and you'll be rescued, you'll be saved from your enemies. So then the last part uh, in, in, um, in the verse 10 of chapter 10 is that you also to use this at your rejoicing times and and during your festivals, you will blow these silver trumpets over the sacrifices. So it's also part of their worship. So these four purposes that we see here, um, many many commentators and scholars, including, uh, I think I cited David Guzik uh, from the Enduring Word Commentary, who's a Calvary Chapel pastor uh, out in, I want to say Arizona or Nevada, someplace out there. Anyway, uh, points out the connection between this and preaching of the gospel, that this clarion call of the trumpet uh, is to take our minds to the preacher's role. And, and so that's, uh, that's part of what we need to be seeing in this, is that uh, preachers, pastors, ministers of the gospel, and, and really that only varies among believers by degree. So the, the believer in the pew is still called to the same ministry to a different degree, as the pastor who oversees all of these things or the, right. the uh, overseers, elders, deacons, we all serve the church. Some have specific roles within that, but the call to to preach the word is not merely uh, to pastor teachers, that's their primary role, but for all of us, we are to declare the word of the God of the Lord clearly. So expository preaching is the centerpiece of the assembled church, the preachers to assemble God's people to hear God's word, just as they would come together at the tent of meeting and hear from God. uh, In the same way, we're to do that within the church. Uh, When we look at uh, at the idea that faithful preaching moves from information to transformation, it's not enough to just learn about it. We need to actually uh, be called to do something about it we see in, in the passage that, the, that God's people are called to set out, to move. So the preacher has to call God's people to active obedience as well. And then the third purpose that we saw had to do with battle and, and the warfare. And so uh, the, the preacher is called to, to warn God's people of spiritual danger, which involves the responsibility of telling and proclaiming and and, and calling to repentance. But the there's also responsibility of the hearer to do something about it. Sure. If I don't proclaim the word, I'm responsible. If you don't respond to the word, you're responsible. And then the last purpose was that um, we see that God's, uh, God's preacher is to lead God's people in celebrating God's glory. There's a call to worship. There's this constant connection between our worship and our warfare, what, what the devil is trying to attack us in. We need to get our eyes off of all of our circumstances and focus on the Lord. And, and the, the more our eyes are on Christ, just as the hymn says, if we turn our eyes upon Jesus, the things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. So when we do that in our worship, as we're walking with the Lord, we're experiencing his blessings. And just as we saw in, in number six, the ironic the blessing on the people, it was for God's presence. For God's blessing, through his presence with his covenant people. And that's where we find ourselves now as we prepare in this final preparation before they set out.
0: We will stop there for today. I'm sorry we talked about Top Gun for too long. But uh, as always, if you have any questions or comments, you can email or message us. I'm going to have to cut this short because our anchor is going to cut off. But No apologies um, for Prince of Egypt. No apologies for Prince of Egypt, yes. So we will catch you guys next time. Thank you for listening.